0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cricket Company Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest amongst us, Senior Data Analyst at ESPN Cricket Info, uh, Gaurav, sir. Thank you so much for joining and giving us your time, sir. Really appreciate
1: it.
2: Thanks for having me here, Ishan and Tanvi. Uh, good to be here.
0: Okay. So, sir, uh, we all know that you completed your engineering. You did an MBA. Uh, you worked at Wipro. So how did the entire uh, change to the sporting industry happen and like what drew you towards the sporting industry and how did you find your niche of a data analyst at Sports Mechanics, which was the first place you worked at?
2: So um, sports has always been a passion, right? So uh, like all of you, uh, like most of people in India, uh, I was passionate about sports, but getting a job in sports and uh, making your passion your profession is not something which is uh, very common and it's not something very easy. I have to admit and I've admitted in a lot of places, I I was lucky and privileged for certain things to happen for me to land up at at these jobs. Uh, So uh, otherwise, I I, like most of you were planning to just do a normal engineering degree, MBA degree and work in the traditional IT job. So uh, that's what happened. But i especially in VIPO, i realized i had a very tough uh, 9 to 10 months i was struggling um, i wasn't really doing well uh, the fact is every project assignment was a struggle because i had no idea of the domain right so every time you had to go google something search figure out what it is and then put it together in a presentation and then um, uh, people will not be satisfied and there are other uh, domain uh, experts so That gave me a reality check. I wanted to move out of uh, whatever happens because I was not doing well. But what I wanted to ideally, the goal I had at that point in time was uh, to be like a product manager and stuff because that was more uh, up my alley. But but then Destiny had something else planned and that's how I managed to get a sports job uh, uh, at that point in time. And like most others, I've always wanted to get a sports job. But I never got the opportunity. I did try many times after engineering and after MBA, et cetera, but nobody really responded. And there were not many jobs to be honest, apart from media houses, you really didn't have many sports jobs. So yeah, then sports mechanics happened to uh, some serendipity, I would say. And uh, yeah, then now I'm here.
0: So, sir, how, how did you, how did you recognize that data analytics is something you would prosper in on that just happened by, by chance?
2: So uh, again, um, one secret I could slip out uh, here is that I'm I'm not a great math student. I'm not very good with the maths and numbers and stuff. So um, maths was my worst subject in school. And so the fact is, the moment you have perceptions that look, analytics means it's a lot of maths, a lot of numbers, and you won't be good at it, then it becomes an issue. You won't even go in that direction. So Uh, I never looked at it like that and uh, I realized that the domain knowledge was much more powerful and much more uh, important than the statistical and other uh, knowledge and especially in sports which was growing the statistical tools etc were not used as much and it's even till date it's not used as much as it has to be used so um, as a result uh, that kind of knowledge was not really the key. And that helped me make a decision. Then I learned on the job and the kind of stuff you needed to know for sports. I was pretty, the, the, the knowledge of statistical tools, concepts, etc. I, mean, I know those concepts. It's not like I don't know anything, but it's not a, I would say it's 80% domain and 20% uh, uh, statistics. So, but I had a knack of identifying what number to use, how to interpret. Okay. So data interpretation, logical thinking, analytical thinking was my strength even growing up. So when I took my uh, MBA exam and the CAT exam, I wrote it about about four or five times, I wrote the CAT exam. So uh, every time the logical and the analytical section I used to do very well. So there's certain clues, you know, you identify certain strengths of yours and then work uh, around it. So that's what I managed to do. So, yeah.
1: Right. I think the math point will definitely make a lot of our viewers happy. Like that's the thing which a lot of people
2: associate the data. very
1: much related to maths, yeah, that point you definitely, definitely a of Definitely,
2: people. all students, everybody thinks that you need to be good in maths to get this pace, sometimes the domain knowledge takes precedence and uh, if you are very good in maths, it's great, but you're still dealing with basic maths right now, percentages and uh, a lot of other small things Ma- the maximum statistical tool uh, you end up using is uh, regression and stuff and those are uh, all available in your tool itself, you don't Actually, go and do any calculation, right? So, right. so it's not that uh, as hard as what people think it is.
1: So, now that we know how you started off, so how did you eventually land up with cricket control? Like, what was the journey to
2: getting there? Again, uh, it was not planned. My first four years were amazing. I had no regrets, no complaints. Uh, I was practically uh, doing multiple roles and I was meeting multiple people and I had a, uh, you were helping the Indian team and West Indies team and various IPL franchises, so what more can you ask for, right? So everything was going on smooth and everything was great. Absolutely no regrets there. But then I just, the the only reason I wanted to move was I just wanted to dabble myself with media and a bigger brand. Uh, uh, It's always good to have a big brand in your uh, uh, CV for growth. And I just thought that uh, apart from uh, Crick Info and Star Sports, uh, they were the two biggest sporting uh, brands in uh, cricket and in sports in general in India. So I thought uh, that they their global brands, right? So that's also important. Right. So I wanted uh, that exposure. And um, yeah, so winning a quiz contest in the middle, uh, Crick IQ, which was hosted by Crick Info and a couple of other. Uh, um, just general emails and discussions helped me uh, land up at this job, but uh, it was not because I didn't like that role. It was I, I liked everything. I just wanted a. Uh, I just felt at that point in time, after working for so long, uh, wanted some a bigger brand.
0: Right, right, sure. So, sir, like you spoke about how analytics is not just maths, right? So, as a data analyst, can you tell our viewers? What does a data analyst do? So you individually, uh, when you say crunch numbers, what exactly does that mean? And do you also look at video footage or you are strictly uh, restricted to numbers?
2: Yes, uh, that's a good question. And uh, this obviously is restricted to my previous job because that's when the question you asked is more relevant. So we do have a lot of video footage. We do have a lot of data. So for starters, to be an analyst, you need to have a lot of data otherwise there's no use, which is why only cricket as a sport is flourishing and the other sports don't have access, don't have even basic data collected, right? So, which is why the other sports are all lagging behind. So, in cricket, thankfully, there's a lot of data which is very structured. It's, uh, it's, It's captured at a very granular level. At the same time, even videos are collected at a very granular level. So, the job of an analyst is to first identify patterns. Look at study and research a lot of uh, numbers. Also, obviously, you need to have an understanding of the game. You need to know what you're looking for. And that is where it, it differentiates a good analyst from an average analyst or a poor analyst. The fact is, you know what you're looking for and you go quickly, search for numbers, then see whether data tells you a story and then try to get the relevant videos and map data and video and tell the story together. So only data alone or only video alone may not be uh, very useful. Video alone will be useful only when you're looking at technical changes, when you're looking at uh, you know, slow-mo replays and stuff like that, video is useful. But otherwise it's going to be combination of data and video. And again, data is not at a very broad level. I'm looking at actually granular level data going deep and trying to recreate why a human mind would have thought in a particular way through numbers for example what i mean by that is uh, if a batsman is weak against leg spin you have to ask your ask the question why why is he weak against leg spin and then you go deep down into various data points and actually see if he's weak or whether numbers are telling you a different story so at a broad level it might look that he's weak but when you go dive, dive deep you might find that he's really weak against certain type of leg spinners at certain type of lengths, at certain type of deliveries at certain speeds but otherwise, right. he's very strong and numbers, max. So that's where the max knowledge comes into the picture. You should be uh, have the knowledge to know that, hey, uh, if I take 10, 15 innings, obviously, it's going to average out, right? So sometimes you have a high inning, sometimes you have a low. So you can't really uh, um, drill down at the potential weakness. So if, as an analyst, that's the kind of max knowledge you need to know. You need to know what is the good sample, whether the numbers make sense or not. It doesn't make sense to divide two parameters in the first place. Uh, what are the units? The, that's the kind of analytical knowledge you need, and which I, uh, which I think I have. And couple that with um, your uh, domain knowledge, and you get a good story.
1: So, so you spoke about your various experiences, like with West Indies team and with the various IPL franchises. So, for all our viewers who don't know about it, you have been the data analyst for the West Indies team, which actually won the 2020 World Cup. And that is like a really big achievement. So what are you, how was that experience for you as being a part of that team? How was that experience for you?
2: So uh, the seeds were sown previously in the Caribbean Premier League uh, when uh, we had had actually helped uh, the uh, CPL franchises. So that's when they actually saw my work for the first time. So I uh, had a, a decent rapport and I had a, a good words spreading about uh, me. So when they came into the World Cup, they wanted someone for uh, with some local knowledge. And they uh, obviously contacted our company and they wanted me to be on board uh, with them. But uh, see, one thing is it was a very last minute deal. Uh, it was not something which was planned and uh, it was uh, done with maybe I think two days before their arrival, or one day or just after they arrived, that was the time when they realized that this could be helpful and we have some budget for that and it's the T20 World Cup, etc. So, in terms of building rapport, building trust and all, it was very hard. So, my only uh, communication was with the coach because the coach was the one who actually uh, uh, wanted me, which was Mr. Phil Simmons. So... Um, so, my communication was limited with the coach and that's good enough, you know, because the coach ultimately communicates everything you need to the captain. So, uh, I was a bit, um, I would say, because of the timing of the World Cup, short duration, everything was going super fast. Uh, I couldn't unleash all uh, my skills and not gain trust of everybody. It was hard. You need a proper two, three month IPL kind of tournament to do that and make a greater impact. But what I could do was uh, help the coach plan and structure and then him ask him to communicate everything to the uh, players. So uh, it was a fully one-on-one uh, communication with Phil Simmons. And uh, it was great. So I, I did that and I realized that how much they also like uh, all this information. And obviously the coach. So the difference is if you know all the players, you know how to communicate the data to them in the form and fashion in which each player can grasp it. You might take it differently, Ishan might take it differently. So I need to give Ishan one way of communicating the information. Maybe Tanvi will want another way by which he would like to hear the information. Not everybody is same. It might be too complex for you but it might be too easy for you, right? So you never know that. So that's where I didn't have the luxury of doing that with every player. So which is why the coach knows exactly what to communicate and how to take it and that's what he did and um, that that really helped. So I must obviously give a lot of credit to the coach for patiently listening to me for hours together and trying to make sense of it and then breaking it down into simple aspects for the uh, players. So it's a right. good experience. Every yeah. experience with every coach, every player is different and uh, every experience is a learning curve. So sometimes they trust a lot, uh, they trust you a lot and they give you a lot of freedom. Sometimes they just ask you to give A, B, C, D, E and you just have to give A, B, C, D, E. So it varies. So like I've said in many places, I've unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. I've had a lot of short stints with multiple teams rather than having a long stint with one team. So both are completely different ballgames. So short stints, you just go there. Um, you can't focus too much on impressing people and gaining trust, etc. Just go do your work give your insights, be confident about your data and share it. In longer stints, you get time to build relationships and stuff like that, but that also could work against you because you end up being too friendly and not actually um, be able to communicate sometimes negative uh, uh, negative, uh, data points, right? So it's a double-edged sword. Um, I'm happy that whatever opportunity I got, I, I tried my best.
0: So so that's a very interesting point you mentioned about the longer stint and the shorter stint. So in your opinion, do you think the results vary depending on stints or it is just on the analyst on how he's able to produce the results?
2: So as an analyst, the first thing I tell any uh, aspiring analyst is we don't attach ourselves with any results because we are not playing the game. We are only giving information to validate certain thoughts, validate certain ideas. Ultimately, the players are executing them. You can give all the great analysis you want but if the players don't execute them or they don't believe in it it's not going to work so i or anybody for that matter should never attach yourself to results but to answer your question i think i know where where you're coming from in terms of longer stints you get to add more value because you get to spend study the players understand their capabilities and provide data based on that whereas in short stints you, you don't have too much of that information you just go with the flow and hope that somebody executes it so at a broad at a broad level to answer your question shorter stint, i focus more on team strategies team uh, selection uh, and certain plans of how to get opposition the focus is more on opposition in longer stints you can actually mold a particular player of your own team to actually change his game or do well or consistently make him believe in data and try to execute certain things and and gain trust you know to work right. on a player takes a lot of time, so that, longest the scenes, help.
0: Right. So, sir, so we spoke about T20 World Cup CPL, so there's a general question as to, we speak a lot about data in the T20 format, but for some reason, the usage of data or matchups is not spoken about that much in ODIs and almost it's negligible in tests. Is there a particular reason for that, or is it just that the shorter format uh, produces that kind of cricket, that data is that useful?
2: Um, yeah, obviously the shorter format they play a lot more. You have more data to play with, first of all. Uh, in test matches, for example, uh, if you take the Ashes, uh, Australia go to England what once in four years. So there's a lot of difference in in the four years of data. So something which worked in 2015, there's no way it'll work in 2019. So right. Right, those are things you need to be wary of. So which is why in test cricket data, especially. Um, uh, may not be as useful having said that still it will like you saw Archer versus Warner right uh, hmm. bowling around the wicket and constantly getting him out then you saw Stuart Broad uh, uh, troubling Warner uh, uh, Archer troubling Warner based on what Stuart Blood did in the right. test series right so those right. things you can pick up certain things but test match hmm. uh, is still a lot about skill and technique and patience which maybe you can negate certain things but, uh, like in a T20 match if somebody is weak against a leg spinner is because he's looking to attack, he's looking to play aggressively, that he takes more risks, so he gets out also more often. In Test match, I can just block out guys like Rashid for five hours at a trot, and I've done my job. So, mm-hmm. which is why you see uh, leg spinners not do so well in Test cricket, whereas they're very good at ODI in uh, uh, T20 cricket. So, there are a lot of different uh-huh. aspects. So, I would I, I would still say that there's a lot of analysis, and uh, uh, analytics can help a lot in Test cricket just that people are more exposed to it. The reason being you play very, uh, you don't play at one stretch, you don't play 14 games or something for you to actually analyze certain patterns. So there might be the odd use, uh, like when the India-Australia series starts, you will definitely see uh, India starting to bowl around the wicket um, to the Australian left-hand batsman straight away. So that is what some form of analytics. They have gone, they have analyzed who's weak, uh, that angle, what troubles them, right? Maybe in olden days, right. you see them bowl a lot over the weekend. Similarly, when Nathan Lyon comes into a bowl, just watch out for uh, all the Indian batsmen using their feet. They will look to step down and not allow the ball to spin. So this was, uh, this is derived from data and it was given uh, almost six, seven years back. So that was the same plan India have been following for a long time against Nathan Lyon and it's worked pretty fairly successfully. So uh, these are things which you can pick up. Um, so. I wouldn't right. say it's fully, I uh, would say it's underutilized, but I know I, I can maybe understand why it is. There is leagues, there's just so much of data to play with. You play Sri Lanka, you play Bangladesh, you play Pakistan, you play Australia. There's so many leagues everywhere, right? So players will have a good sample for me to actually make some sense and analyze. Right, absolutely.
1: So, sir, in your opinion, is there any particular team which actually uses it to the best effect? like a particular team which i used use at where really well I'll see the results.
0: Yeah, across, so. across leagues, if you worked with the specific teams, any
2: any one team in specific? It's pretty uh, evident, right? I think we've, all of us have seen Mumbai Indians use a lot right. of uh, information. They're uh, very good at that. And um, when I work with the CPL, the Barbados tridents led by Kaidan Polar used to use it a lot. It all depends on the captain. captain needs to also believe in these things. So... Uh, Yeah, so these are two teams. England team I know uses it a lot. Though I've not worked with them, I've heard from a lot of people that England uses uh, information a lot. So yeah, it's slowly growing and…
1: So you spoke about the captain and like the players. So how have the players actually reacted to this? And do they still prefer going by their instincts or are they willing to actually adjust to this and adapt to the numbers game?
2: It's a very personal thing in the sense, uh, each person is completely different from the other. So uh, maybe younger cricketers who have been exposed to this at an early age might look to take this up. Older cricketers who have gone to the grind, who believe in their skill and instincts, continue to use that. So um, I can't, there's no one answer to this. You need to study the person, which is why I keep telling a lot of people that interpersonal skills and ability to understand people understand the other person is one of the key skills of an analyst. So only if you're able to understand what kind of a person he or she is, then only you can supply and provide relevant analysis to them. So um, if somebody does not believe in analysis at all, you need to figure out how to still communicate that information. Maybe they like to see videos. They may not like to hear any data. You just go play a video and come back. They will figure out what they have to do. So there are different ways by which you communicate it. So
0: Right. Yeah. Right. So, our final question. I mean, we have you on board. So, the final question has to be: What is your advice to youngsters around? How do youngsters get into the sporting industry? Is there a roadmap? Is there a pathway? Any, any, any
2: kind of advice which people watching this video can take? I think it's uh, number one is passion. You need to have. uh, complete you need to be obsessively passionate about the sport uh, whichever sport it is you want to get to Uh, once you do that try to work towards it Uh, try doing things which could help you land up at a job so don't just go ask for the job rather showcase some work now the sports industry has evolved so it's not like how it was 10 years back and then keep building your network so these are some of the key points one is uh, be passionate two is build a great network three is create some kind of a portfolio and uh, four is, you need some luck. You know, certain things have to fall in uh, place. If you're financially slightly more secure and uh, not very dependent, uh, then it helps because sports as an industry is still very low paying and still growing. So yeah, these certain things help. So if you have these things, then I'm sure you land up at something right i think tanveer and i are working towards
0: that in some form uh, trying to create a portfolio i think i think that's that's all sir thank you so much once again for giving us your time i think we've picked up a lot of insights about the game we love and it was it was truly for us a very very enriching experience thank you so much sir so much guys
2: i wish you guys all the very best for your future thank
0: you sir thank you so much
2: you
1: The Cricket Company Podcast.